How are you all? Well, first things first, ladies, we want to wish you the most wonderful and glorious Mother Day that you could ever experience. Yes, guys, thank you. Now, for you ladies who are here due to having children, we don't care. We love you anyways. We love you with all of our hearts. It is the, it is the truth of a church that keeps, the, keeps us together are the women. There's, there's no question about that. We, as men, are supposed to be the standard. We're supposed to be the uh, spiritual leaders of a church. But let's face it, we know, we know what's going on. And, and thank you, ladies, so much for who you are. We wish you all just the most wonderful and blessed Mother's Day. And just I pray that uh, this day will be very special for each and every one of you. I want to thank you as a part of our church for all that you mean to us, for all that you, you enable us to do as men, uh, to, be a, to be a church like we'd like to be. And uh, I am I'm honored. Uh, last night I, I offered to uh, sing happy birthday to moms and stuff. And uh, not happy birthday, happy Mother's Day to mom. And uh, there was a group over here that said, don't sing, don't sing. It was really quite funny, I thought. And so I didn't. So what I asked the guys to do, if you wouldn't mind with me, gentlemen. Ladies, you all stay seated. Gentlemen, would you all stand with me? And let's give the woman uh, a round of applause. Gentlemen, thank you. We love you very, very much, ladies. Last night, I was uh, right near the end of the message. I, I, I said Happy Mother's Day again, and, and there was a couple sitting right over there with a green shirt, T-shirt. It wasn't you, but it was another couple, and, and they, uh, they kissed. And it just, I just thought it was so awesome, man. They just make it out in church. I thought, all right, that's, that's what it's supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to be. Well, I don't normally uh, do a, a, like a topical message on a Mother's Day or Father's Day or or things like that. So it's, this is nothing new. So we're still in the book of Romans. And so Mother's Happy Mother's Day. Now let's get to the Word. And let's turn with me to chapter 15. Let me give you a kind of an introduction of what Paul is doing here. It's really interesting. If, if, if you take note, and um, I know that you will, as you'll read through this with me in a moment or two. Um, oh my gosh, where's my note thing? I lost it. Oh, no, it is right there. Um, what Paul is doing is he's, he's trying to reaffirm. He's, he's through with the doctrinal teaching of the book of Romans. Paul's going to reassert himself as the apostle that is called to the Gentiles. But what is happening, obviously, as you'll read with me in this section of Scripture, is that there seems to be a riff. There always was a riff between the the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers. And so there has been a riff, and there still is. And so what Paul is going to show the Jewish believers there in the city of Rome, that this is nothing new, that the Gentiles would come into the family of God. There should be unity within the family of God. As a matter of fact, if you look with me at verse 7 of chapter 15, Note, we did this last week, but I want to reassure you, this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, Wherefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. He is going to now make mention of how 
Both Jew and Gentile are to be one. We are to be family. Now I take that as a, as a lesson for us as a body of believers. That we are to, to, to love one another. We are to be a group of people that really care for one another within the body of Christ. Jesus Christ, when he said to his disciples, he says a new commandment, John chapter 13, verse 34 and 5. He says, a new commandment I've given unto you, that you are to love one another. Now, I assume that one of them must have said, how? What do you mean love one another? He says, even as I have loved you, so you should have love for one another. Then he makes this statement by this, by the way you love one another, the expression of your caring for each other, all people are going to know that you're, Jesus said, my disciples, if you have love one for another. And so it's obvious to me that our Lord is very concerned with how we care for each other within the body of Christ. And I, I, uh, I'm a stickler for that. I, I love unity. I, I love that we would just be together. We're, all of us are going to mess up. We're going to step on one another's toes from time to time. We do that within a family. That just happens, mostly uh, by accident. But still, there are sometimes hurt feelings. And within the family of God, it would be kind of one of us, each of us, to, to ask for forgiveness to one another if, there's, if we sense there's anything that is, is kind of causing a rift. And so that, that's where Paul's coming from. And that's, that's what I love to, to try to emphasize today in the message. It, it's 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 so evident. It, it preaches itself, really. Let me uh, read with you, please. Read with me. Um, verses 7 through 13 of, of Romans chapter 15. And we are very quickly and very sadly for me coming to an end to this great book. I, uh, I have really enjoyed this particular study of, uh, of the Word of God. And I, I just so admire Paul, of course. I think you guys know that. I have a, a great, great... I mean, I, I really desire to see him someday and just to, just to take a look at him, just to see what does this guy look like because he has made such an impact on, on our, our faith. i got a piece of paper I don't know what to do with. That's a little bit my... That's who I am. I'm like, I'm really... If something's there, i got to throw it away or you, I, I've got to do something with it. So that, that'll bug me the whole time it's there. Please forgive me. That's just a little bit of me. Let's read... Verses 7 through 13. Let me get out of my troubles here. Wherefore, Paul writes, verse 7, chapter 15, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. Therefore, I will give praise to you among the Gentiles, and I will sing to your name. And again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. And let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, There shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles hope. Now he gives a benediction, a prayer, if you would. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, 
we absolutely are honored by the women of our church. <clears throat> Thank you, Father, for them and, and how they've already made such an impact to, to us. I think back at, a, at, at Laura Chandler and how she, she just insisted that we have church and, and with her faith arose the Rock Community Church. Women have impacted this, the Bible throughout. And so, Lord, we are honored for the women that you have given us. Whether they've born ch children or not is not an issue with us. The issue is what they mean to each and every single one of us, whether it be our moms or um, our wives, our daughters, our nieces, whomever they may be. I pray you'll watch over them. Now, Father, would you do us the honor of opening up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things that come from your law? And then, Father, would you please move me out of the way, move me aside so that I do not interfere with what you want to say. I pray your blessings on us, Father. We are honored, 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 honored to worship and to praise you and to give you thanks for the women that you have so graciously given to us. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. It's always been a, always Mother's Day is special to me. My mother passed away uh, quite some time ago, but her birthday was yesterday, and of course we celebrate Mother's Day. And so, uh, as typical for me, is I will uh, I will call my sister on, on yesterday on Mother's on my mom's birthday. I wish my sister a happy Mother's Day, and then we'll reminisce over mom and the family. Well, yesterday has been my is my nature. I. Uh, I usually study all week long, and, and if I'm, I'm normally through with the message sometime early Friday, mostly. Sometimes, if it goes really well, Thursday, but mostly Friday. And, and then what I do is I, I put it away, I leave it alone, I just kind of leave it in my computer, and, and then when I wake up Saturday morning, I immediately uh, just go into my office and start massaging, if you would, the, the message, you know, moving cut and paste, doing some things with it to make it feel mine. And uh, while I was doing that, normally I put on, a, on my computer um, uh, some music, like uh, Pandora, is it called, or Panasonic or something. What is it? I don't even know, but I, I listen to some music. And I usually tune up people that are old. <laughs> you guys wouldn't know, but older stars. And, and on, the, on, the, on the computer came the song by the Andrews sisters. You probably don't even know who they are. They were a, a trio of, of, of sisters that really could sing. And my mom and dad loved the Andrews sisters. And my mom and dad would every New Year's Eve invite anybody and everyone that we knew over to our house. And it was a party. I mean, it was a party. Them with the, the, the uh, McMillan's family and my mom and dad. And then people would pop in all night long. And in the morning when I get up, I would see guys laying on the couch, in the, everywhere, just all over the house. Every New Year's Eve, they would play this song by the Andrews Sisters. It was on, you know, the big, big records, you know, and it would be on the turntable. And it would be, drinking rum and Coca-Cola, go down point to Pana. And I would hear that song. Well, I'm studying yesterday morning. Boom, it comes on the, the computer. And so I pause it, call my sister and say, listen to this. And I play that song to her. And she uh, used to get mad that I would remind her of mom all the time. Just stop. Just leave me alone. 
But uh, now she's gotten over it. She knows that I'm not going to stop. And the more she complains, the more I'll do it. And so I, I, uh, I sang with her that song, and I reminisced over my mom. And, and so honoring you ladies this morning is very, very easy and very special for me. I thank God for you ladies, more than you'll ever know. And so uh, studying the Bible has been my joy. Been honestly my joy. I, I, uh, I can't think of anything I enjoy doing more than this. And uh, the book of Romans has been more than special to me. I don't know what I'm going to do now that we're getting near the end. Uh, I'm not even sure where we're going next. Um, I just wish that uh, this would keep on going. And uh, I, uh, it's been a great study. And I, I, I pray that it has been for you as well. Um, I want to. I'll make mention of that near the end of it, as Paul makes mention of some things about this study of what it what it ought to do within our hearts. So Paul now is illustrating that it has always been God's plan to bring all people of all nations of all tongues into the family of God. He he stated way back in Romans chapter two verse eleven saying that there is no partiality with God. There isn't. We are all welcomed into the family of God. And so to make his point, because obviously there is a little bit of a rift going on in the church in Rome, he cites passages from the Old Testament to soften the prejudices between the Jew and the Gentile. He demonstrates to the Jew by the Old Testament scriptures that the addition of Gentiles into the family of God was neither a divine nor a human afterthought. It has been pre-planned long, long ago. As a matter of fact, Abraham, when he left, when God told him to go, he says, I will make you a great nation, a great nation and you shall be a blessing to all the people. And those that bless you, I will bless. And those who curse you, I will curse the blessing that Abram was to be to the people was the, the blessing that he would bring to them of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so that was always Israel's call to be a blessing. And so this faith that brings in Gentiles now is not a divine or human afterthought. If, if you would, hold your place here in Romans 15. But... Go back to Romans chapter 1, just a few pages back to your left. And listen to how Paul introduced himself to those in Rome. He is not there yet. He is longing to be with them, but he has written them this letter. And he says to them in Romans chapter 1, verse 14, watch. I am under obligation, Paul tells them, both to the Greek as well as to the barbarians, both to the wise as well as to the foolish. He says, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. Because, he says in verse 16, he's not ashamed of the gospel. Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation. To whom? Paul writes, to everyone who believes. Not just to the Jew, but to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, and then also to the Greek or to the Gentiles. In it, he says in verse 17 of chapter 1, in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed 
from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous person shall live by faith. Well, he goes off onto that and teaches all about faith and how works has nothing to do with your or my salvation. It's all faith. And so he is purposed to teach them these things, both to Jew as well as to Gentile. All of them are apart. In Romans chapter 2, Paul tells them that some of the Jews had done some terrible things. And that is this. Romans 2, verse 24. He says, The name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Speaking to the Jews. The name of God has been blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Because there is a rift within the body of Christ. So, what he is saying is instead of you being a light to the world for the gospel, you have diminished that light and caused God to be blasphemed. In Acts chapter 13, verse 47, talking to the Jews, the writer of the book of Acts says, The Lord has commanded us, talking to the Jews, saying, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles so that you might bring salvation to the ends of the world. Well, that was what he asked Abram to do long, long, long ago. And so this is nothing new to them. I want you to stop, stop and think, though, for a moment. That edict that had gone out, that they would be a light to the world, that has now been passed on to you and me. That is our call. We have been called as believers in Jesus Christ to be a light in this world in which we live for the cause of Jesus Christ. I want to just throw that at you to, to be that. To where you go, let people speak highly of the Lord because of your walk with Jesus Christ. But to the Jew, instead of being a light to Christ, they, were, they separated themselves from the Gentiles and treated the Gentiles with disdain. Which caused Paul to ask them, in this book, Romans, chapter 3, now verse 29, he asks them a rhetorical question. He says to the Jews, Is God the God of the Jews only? Or is he not the God of the Gentiles as well? Then he answers his own question. He said, yes, he is the God of the Gentiles as well. And so they are all in this together. And so are we. So if you turn back to Romans 15, let's get into the text. In verse 8, we see that the Lord Jesus Christ is said to become a servant to the circumcision. In other words, a servant to the Jews. To fulfill the promise that God made through the prophets of old that the Messiah would come. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And, and this purpose of the one, the Messiah that would come, Jesus Christ was evident to everyone who ever came in contact with him. We meet, the men do, on Wednesday mornings at 6 o'clock at a restaurant called Kino's. It's on the corner of Imperial and La Palma. Men, all of you are invited. I, I know some of you can't come. It's too early. No problem. But if you can, we have a great time. And we've been going through, we have a great breakfast, a lot of fellowship, a lot of laughs, and we have some time in the Word of God. And we've been going through trying to figure out what's our purpose for living. Why do you and I draw breath today? Jesus Christ 
boiled it down to one, one aspect. In Romans chapter... Luke chapter 19 verse 10. I knew I was wrong. Luke chapter 19 verse 10. He said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. That was His purpose for living. What's yours? What's mine? I've told you before, I think it's, I think it's imperative for you and I as a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've trusted in Christ as your Savior, it's imperative for us to figure out what is my call in life as a believer. N- not necessarily what's your job. That's another thing. But what is your call as a believer in Jesus Christ? It is a peaceful person who understands that and fulfills it the best they can. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. In so doing, he brought glory to his Father by fulfilling his Father's promise. So what is yours? I'll leave that to you to find out. But it's a glorious day when you do. By the way, Jesus was called here in verse 8 a servant. Our Lord's next trip to the earth will not be as a servant. His next trip to the earth, He will come as a conquering king. And I wonder if you and I are ready for that most glorious sudden coming. Uh, I, I personally can't wait. I'm, I would love for it to be this right now or this afternoon. I know some don't think that way. Uh, it's just my quirk. I'm, I'm really excited about him coming back. Maybe it's because I'm so old. <laughs> Maybe if I was younger like you, some of you, I'd say, well, let him wait a while. We've got some living to do. I, I would have thought that way. No, no problem. I understand. Let's go back to Romans 15. Let's take a look at verses 9, 10, 11, and 12 because in that process, Paul is showing the Jewish people that what is happening in their midst with the Gentiles is not an accident. He's going to quote out of Psalms, Deuteronomy, Isaiah, and also the book of Revelation, he's going to quote the, both the Old as well as the New Testament. He's going to quote David, Samuel, Moses, Isaiah, John, and so on. And he's going to assure the Jewish Christians that the promises of God are for every person, every nation, every tongue. It's not exclusive just to the Jews. Note verse 9. Let's start there. And for the Gentiles, Paul writes to glorify God for His mercy. It is written. Now, it is written introduces four Old Testament quotations showing the Jews that Jesus Christ and the Gentiles are to praise God along with the Jewish nation. So he says in verse 9, the last part of it, look, therefore, I will give praise to you among the Gentiles and I will sing praises to your name. That's a quote from Psalms 18, verse 49. It is a quote where Jesus Christ is praising God through the Gentiles, which implies the conversion of Gentiles to faith way back in the Old Testament. Look at verse 10. And again, he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with His people. His people being the Jews. So they, the Gentiles, are to rejoice with the Jews. This quotation 
comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 43, and it concludes the song of Moses. And this is a prophetic song looking forward to the coming millennium kingdom of God. In other words, to this time that's still ahead of us. And so back in Deuteronomy, God is saying, I'm going to rejoice with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. And so we see that the Gentiles are invited in to join in with Israel, singing praises to God. Then in verse 11, Paul writes more. He says, watch this, this is, just a, this is one of the shortest uh, b- chapters in all of the Bible. In, in Psalms 117, there's only two verses, one and two. And he's quoting out of verse 1 of Psalms 117 here. And it says, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples rejo- or praise Him. I want you to note the word all in this very brief quotation is used twice to emphasize the inclusion of all people into rejoicing and praising God. Then in verse 12, again it says, Isaiah says, there's going to come the root of Jesse. That is the, out of the line of David. And, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles hope. Uh, now, I don't want to go overboard on this, but I want you to know how much I adore verse 12. In him, the Gentiles hope. And I questioned, do you want hope? today have you perhaps come to church to find some hope in what seems to be a difficult situation that you might or might not be in well if you are looking for hope it is in christ that you will finally and eternally have the hope of salvation verse 12 is quoted as is out of isaiah chapter 11 verse 10 where the Messiah, the Christ, comes from the line of David, the root of Jesse, and he is to rise and to rule over the Gentiles. Obviously, it was a clear intention of God that the Gentile, all people, should come to faith in our risen Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, because of those four quotations, Paul is saying God's plan for the Jews, is that they should have no grudge against the Gentiles because the Jews long ago were the very purpose of, of reaching the Gentile people. That was their existence. That is why they drew breath with the hope of God, the hope of Abraham, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they were to, to share Christ with all the Gentiles so that that we would have hope and that we too would glorify God. On the other hand, Paul is saying to the Gentile people, you have no reason to have a grudge against the Jews as well because it was through the Jews that God ushered in salvation to us, the Gentiles. And so it's like one hand holds the other one up. One hand washes the other. One hand takes care of the other. Jew and Gentile alike are to fit together as a hand in glove. So Paul closes verse, with verse 13. 
This is a, a beautiful benediction. But I want you to note something. He does not mention Jew or Gentile in this prayer. He prays to all the people of faith, saying, Now may the God of hope. Once you know something, that's the first mention of that title given to God, the God of hope. I'm, it might be the only mention of it. I'm not certain. But I know through the commentaries I read, that was the first mention of the God of hope. And he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul asks the God of hope to graciously fill all believers, Jew and Gentile alike, with His overwhelming divine joy, amazing peace, abounding hope. That's a prayer of a satisfied soul in Christ, people. To know and experience the peace, the hope, the love, the victory, the joy, the power through the indwelling Holy Spirit that lives within you through your faith in Jesus Christ. In truth, this is exactly what a study of the book of Romans ought to do in your life and my life. I trust that Paul has given you that joy, that peace, that hope, that victory through this study in Romans. I can honestly say to you, He has to me. I have, I have more than enjoyed this study of this book. It has been beyond anything I've ever done. I've studied it before, but not like this. Maybe it's my age. Maybe uh, as I've grown in the Lord, I've, I'm understanding a little more. I don't know. I'm, I'm certainly not bragging when I say that. I'm just saying that this has been an amazing study to me. I trust that, that this joy and peace has strengthened your faith study in the book of Romans. I trust that it has brought you hope and power in your life as a believer. The God of hope, this title for our Lord, is thrilling because it is in Him that you and I have hope. If you are here this morning and you've not trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Paul is begging you, begging you to come to Him, come to Jesus. Now, how do you do that? I mean, I know that's a... What does that mean, come to Jesus? It, it, it simply means, as he's been teaching us, if you've not been here, he's been teaching us that, that salvation comes through faith. And faith does not come through anything you have to work to get. You don't have to be good. You don't have to, you don't have to give money to the church. You don't have to do a lot of things to, to get salvation. All you have to do is trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. And then you have hope. A hope of everlasting life. That if, if the Lord were to come back, you would, with all the other believers, rise and be with Him forever in heaven. We want that for you more than... I can't, I can't put it into words. So the God of hope is thrilling because in Him you have hope, but you also have shelter. For those of us who have trusted in Christ, we, we have shelter in the time of storms. May the God of hope, he says, fill you with joy, peace, hope, love, victory, power. I trust that Paul has given you that in this study. Joy and peace. So that 
that the book of Romans has strengthened your faith. This benediction, verse 13, concludes the doctrinal study of the epistle of Romans. It's, for, for all intents and purposes, the doctrinal, the teaching of it is over with. From this point on, Paul is going to remind us of his personal testimony, who he is. He's going to encourage us as an apostle to, to walk our faith. Look with me, please, here in, in the 15th chapter as we're going to stay next week. But I want you to just read ahead a little bit. He said in verse 14, after he made that prayer, And concerning you, my brethren, I myself am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. I have written very boldly to you on some point so as to remind you again because of the grace that has been given to me from God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, and that my offering of the Gentiles might become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. Paul is just is just reminding them who he is. And that's what we'll do in the next few weeks till we close this great book. While we close this right now, I want to read to you and remind you who Paul is. Just, if you, if you have a, a marker that you mark your Bibles, put it here in the 15th chapter and just turn back to Romans chapter 1 once again, please. I want to remind you who this Paul is, why he came to Rome. He introduces himself by letter here in verse 1 to the people in Rome. He says, Paul, that's who I am. I am Paul. Verse 1 of chapter 1. I am a bond servant. A bond servant was as low a servant as you could possibly get of Christ Jesus. I am called, he says, as an apostle. I am set apart, he says, for the gospel of God. Now jump to verse 9 of chapter 1. For God, Paul writes, whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his Son is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. Always, verse 10, in my prayers making requests, if perhaps now at last by the, at last by the will of God that I may succeed in coming to you. You see, he's not there yet, but he's praying for them. Look, it, I'm no Paul. <laughs> That's pretty obvious. But I, I relate to those two verses. I can't tell you how many times when I can't sleep at night, I pray for you. Now, I might not pray for you personally because I might not know all of you. But I can honestly say I love each and every one of you. I love you in the Lord. And I pray for us as a church. I understand the heartbeat of Paul when he says, I, I unceasingly make mention of you. I get that. I understand that. Again, I say to you, I'm no Paul, but I get that. Look at verse 11. He says, I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you so that you may be established. I pray for that with all of my heart. That the teaching that I do, when I say, Lord, hide me so that I'm not, I'm not just, those are not just flippant words to me. That is the very sincerity of my heart. I want God to bless you through the study of His Word. And so I understand verse 11 
very strongly. Verse 12, he says, That is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. Listen, that, look at that verse. He is saying, look, I want you to bless me, and I will in return bless you. Our faith to faith will bless one another. That's what I've been trying to teach. Well, Paul's been trying to teach us all along. There's no superstar in our church. There's no, there's no position in our church that's better than the next. We've all been gifted by God, whether it is to teach or whether it is to, to make the breakfasts or to, or to greet people or to be in prison ministry or to do whatever it is that, that God's called you to do. We're all in this together. No one's better than the other. As Paul says in verse 12, he says that, verse 12, he says, so that I may be encouraged when I'm with you, each of us by uh, each other's faith, both yours as well as mine. I love Paul. I love Paul. I mean, you talk about a humble man. Verse 13, he says, I don't, I don't want you to be unaware. I've often planned to come to you. I've been prevented, he says, so far. I want to come to you so that I may obtain some fruit among you. In other words, I might lead some of you to Christ. I might see you grow in your faith, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. So Paul had pre-warned them that he was going to be talking about the Gentiles. I want to close with a funny, just a silly story because I'm early. And also it fits. I tell you I'm no Paul. I, I, I recognize that. Um, when I was younger, I played baseball. I don't know if any of you know that or not. It's irrelevant, but I did. I played ball. And uh, I, 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 actually, I, I actually sat baseball with the Dodgers, and I sat baseball with the Angels. I didn't play a lot. I just sat and watched. You know. When I was really young in, my, uh, in, in spring training, I, we, we, would, we had a spring training game, and one of the great, great players of all time was a guy named Henry Aaron. You might not remember them. That's a generation ago, but if you've forgotten Henry Aaron, shame on, shame on you if you follow baseball at all. One of the great hitters of all time. And I was at a baseball game watching the Dodgers play in a spring training game early in spring. I wasn't dressing then. I was just a, a rookie. And so I, I came back to the locker room. The game was half over with. Most of the stars had stopped playing. I just wanted to get out of the sun in, in Vero Beach, Florida and go to my room. And so as I went back, I went to take my, my hat and put it in my locker. And as I went into to the dressing room was where the, uh, where the, the Braves were, were dressing. And so as I walked in there, Jim Muey, who was the, the uh, clubhouse man of the, the Dodgers, said, Hey, Warhouse, come in here. Have a beer with me. And so I go in and I, I walked into the clubhouse and I almost like broke my back stopping when I got into the doorway. Because seated in there was like a wing of the Hall of Fame. Sitting in that room having a beer with Sandy Koufax. I don't know if you know, I roomed with him later in my, my time with the Dodgers, one of the greatest pitchers that ever lived, in my opinion. And Don Drysdale was sitting there. And Johnny Roseboro was sitting there. But on the other team was Henry Aaron. And Eddie Matthews. And Rico Cardi. And I don't remember. Oh, Warren Spahn. And I'm telling you, like, I, I looked at Mewie like, what you invite me in here for? He said, sit down and enjoy. And I then listened to this conversation of these guys talking about ball. And Rico Cardi was a Latin American player. I'm not sure if he was Dominican or, or, or from Venezuela. I think it was Dominican. It doesn't matter. But he, he was a great hitter. And he 
he, he played with the Braves, and, and he looked at Sandy Koufax, and he said, why you pitch me so hard? He had, I can't speak, but he's, he kind of used that. Why you pitch me so hard? And Sandy says, uh, Rico, where do you hit in the lineup? He says, I hit third. He says, yeah, you hit third. He says, who hits fourth for you? He says, Hank. He says, that's why I pitch you so hard. He says, I'm never going to let you on base as long as Hank's up next. <laughs> I never heard such honesty in my life. I just was amazed by that. A couple of weeks later, I got to dress with the team. I did fairly well in some of the practices, and so I went on the road trip. And we were going to play against the Braves on their, on their home ground. And at the end of their batting practice, we, they have all their batting practice, and usually their whole team hits, but at the last five or ten minutes, Henry Aaron was the only one hitting. He was just, I guess, working on something. And he was the only guy hitting, and behind the batting cage was as many reporters as could possibly be on the field watching him and just awing in awe of this man hitting balls over the fence and on the fence and lying dives through the infield. He's just wearing the ball out. I've never, I, I've never seen a man hit a ball that hard in my life. And so when the buzzer rings, buzzer, they sign up there. That means they're through hitting. Now the Dodgers come out in the field. We get to hit. And normally the guys that don't play get to hit first and take five measly swings and get out of the way. And they never let me hit first. But with Henry hitting and all the reporters around there, all the guys said, go ahead, go ahead, where else hit? (laughs) Why me? Go ahead, hit. So I go in there and I'm like nervous like crazy and I pop the ball up in the top of the screen and I maybe almost hit my toe. The only good thing about it is I didn't swing and miss. At least I didn't swing and miss. It was just batting practice. And I could hear the reporters behind me going, oh, and they just, they could hear them walk away. Well, like I tell you, I'm no Paul. I was no Henry Aaron either. But what I am is what you are. We are a people who have been blessed by God. And we have been a people that have been called out by God to serve Him. It doesn't matter if you're a star or not. God wants to use you mightily. And in this room, there are some Henry Aarons. And there are also some John Warhouses too. But it doesn't matter. You see, God has graciously gifted you and me to bring unity within the body of Christ, to love one another, and to, and to, by the grace of God, bring people to Christ. I pray that for you. Now, I'm right on time. And so I want to close by again saying, ladies, I, along with all the men of this church, love you so much. Have a wonderful, blessed Mother's Day. Um, whatever it is you're going to do, um, enjoy it. And know how much we love you. Know how much you mean to each of us. This church would not function without you. No doubt. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for every single mother here. And thank you for all of us, Father, uh, that we all have a part. We don't all have to be Paul. But we can be who who you've called us to be. And that will be sufficient. Because with you, we can do all things through Christ who will strengthen us. And so, Lord, please bless us. Bless us as a church family. Let us really love one another. But today, let us love our, our moms, our, our wives, our, our daughters, our 
nieces, all the women we come in contact with. I pray, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.